0: Welcome to the Talking with Tata podcast. I'm your host, Andy Schneider, also known as Tata. Today, we are having on Allie Major, who is the CEO and founder of Well by Allie. She is a registered dietitian and certified life coach. We talk a lot about prenatal nutrition, pregnancy and postnatal nutrition.
1: The Mediterranean diet is what I call the holy grail for fertility. Healthy fat, lots of fruits and vegetables, whole grains, limited alcohol, social connection.
0: There's a little bit of science that Allie's going to be sharing with us, but really it's just how to take care of yourself before pregnancy, during pregnancy, and after pregnancy, as well as tips and tricks for nutrition, weight loss, and just supporting your child throughout the entire journey. We are also going to be introducing our new segment called Tata's Tip of the Week. And our tip for today is talk to your child. You know, it seems pretty obvious, but speaking to your child from the day they are born is extremely important. Ali actually mentions in this podcast that brain development starts at birth and talking to your child should start the day they are born as well. There's two types of speaking to your child. There is self-talk which is talking about what you are doing out loud. I am taking a sip of water. I am giving you a bath. And just talking about your day while you're doing it. You can speak about it in the past tense as well. Looking at your child, making eye contact and telling them what you are doing. And the sister version of that is parallel talk. And parallel talk is talking about what your child is doing. For example, I'm putting you in the bath right now. You are sitting in the water. Does the water feel good? Is your water warm? Don't use any crazy talk. You know, don't go on and on without pauses. Keep it simple. Your child might not understand you, but the more you expose them, the larger their vocabulary will be in the future. And a lot of research shows that just speaking to your child and exposing them to hundreds or thousands of words a day will expand their vocabulary. So whether it's short sentences and phrases or telling them a story about your day, talking about them, talking about you, it's extremely important to start and you can do it from day one. All right, now it's time to jump right in. We're going to get talking to Allie and I'm excited for you guys all to hear. Welcome to the Talking with Tata podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself, but just to get our listeners started, you are a registered dietitian, a certified life coach, and founder and CEO of Well by Allie.
1: Yeah, well, first, thank you so much for having me on here. I'm really excited to be here a little bit about me and my practice. I specialize in women's health. So hormone health, women who are currently struggling with a variety of different symptoms that are often pushed off by clinical medicine. So anything from digestion issues, fertility issues, period issues, headaches, acne, et cetera, fatigue, you name it. I deal with a lot of those types of symptoms, specifically for women. I also like to say that I work post-birth control to post-baby as well. Women who are trying to conceive, women who are pregnant or going through any type of fertility treatment like IVF or IUI, pregnancy and postpartum and breastfeeding.
0: Wow. Okay. Seems like you do it all. You got your career started off in feeding and wellness. Um, So when did your career change and did you know that you always wanted to to be in nutrition and health.
1: I went to a very pre-professional college, so I kind of just thought that I had to work for a big Fortune 500 company, mm-hmm. and so that's what I did. I worked for L'Oreal in their marketing analyst program and worked my way up a little. And it really was not where I saw my career. I mean, the irony is is that I barely even wear makeup, and like I was working <laughs> very and, natural. I was working on like long comb makeup and fragrances, which was co- really cool and launching a bunch of different products, but. I just never really knew that nutrition was a career that people had, Like I didn't know functional medicine was a thing. I didn't know new- being a dietitian was a thing. I was really, I did some soul searching while I was there. I actually thought that I wanted to go into fitness. So I ended up working for a small boutique fitness company called Fitting Room. And I led their marketing for a while. Absolutely loved it. Women founded company with all like C-suite members, et cetera. So it was really an awesome opportunity and experience. And it was really there where we started talking, you know, trainers talk about nutrition and food all the time. But some of the trainers were like, you know so much about nutrition. Like, have you ever thought about working in nutrition or um, a lot of the women there? I would talk to them so much about like their pregnancy journeys, etc., et cetera, And they're like, wow, you are really interested in this. And a lot of research ultimately ended up wanting to go back to school to become a dietitian, which is a long process. Why don't you tell us a little sleep. bit
0: about that? Because I know a lot of people on Instagram like to give out like, yeah. nutrition facts. So how do you <laughs> differ from them?
1: There's so many different paths you can go down in terms of nutrition. You can decide, like Andy, you could literally wake up tomorrow and be like, I want to be a health coach and nutritionist because you don't need any credentials to do that. But just have the letters next to your name as an RD, or say you're a dietitian. I didn't study at undergrad. So it took me three and a half years to four years to complete. So you do a ton of science courses, like from orgo to biochem, to food science to anatomy and physiology, 16 courses, and then you also have to get a master's in science. So Mm -hmm. that's even more advanced science courses, obviously nutrition related. And then you have to math do a competitive residency dietetic internship. So that's in a hospital and then you have to complete a certain number of hours in the hospital and you have to do continuing education. If you studied undergrad, it's different, but for me, it took me around four years to complete Mm -hmm. um and that's full-time like I wasn't doing other things right where did you
0: complete your studies (laughs) at NYU
1: yeah so NYU has a very a very good clinical nutrition program it's very very clinical which is funny because I specialize in functional medicine Mm -hmm. so I do a lot of what I like to say is clinical medicine is reactive so like hospital medicine if someone is like hospitalized, or you know, you're counseling someone who has type two diabetes, all that is really important. Mm -hmm. But preventative is where I stand in my practice is more preventative medicine versus reactive medicine.
0: Interesting. So I know when it comes to my field in speech therapy in general, you can work with adults, you can work with kids, you can work with everyone. What services does your practice specifically offer and how do you differ from everyone else? It's a
1: concierge practice. So what really happens is people have access to me 24-7. And because I do a lot of functional medicine testing to get to the root cause of a lot of people's symptoms, my packages range from three to four months long. People can really work with me after that if they want, through a monthly, twice a month or once a month. If that's something that, that they want. And most of my clients do that anyway. But the initial legwork is really three to four months long, where we're really going through all your blood labs, your functional medicine tests that we do together your nutrition, I send you a really personalized guide that's specific to your lifestyle, whether you like to cook a lot or go out to dinner, there's specific restaurants you go to, you need food shopping list. And we also talk about a lot of other things too, like you know, stress, exercise, mindfulness, sleep, relationships, all the things that are really, really important mm-hmm. because you can't just take nutrition out and not talk about everything else. And is and that then, where
0: the life coach component comes into play? Yeah, here? Okay. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Great question. So nutrition in food is so emotional for mm-hmm. so many people. Yeah. It's really rare to have a client where there isn't emotion tied to food, right? So mm-hmm. it's really important to when I got my life coaching certification, I really did that because counseling is so emotional. It's really important to help people who wanted to create change talk in a certain way. Behave in a certain way, ask certain types of questions. As a dietitian, if you only talk about food and you don't talk about anything else, in my opinion, you're kind of ignoring other things that are affecting your nutrition in the first place. So, and like how people can instill these healthy habits, how people can create change for themselves.
0: Okay, so you are being extremely professional, but I'll just be honest with our listeners. Um, we have worked together, and you've helped me a lot with just my digestive issues and everything going on. Can you explain a little bit about what you did with the hair testing? I'm happy to share my experience but why don't you tell us exactly what you did from your perspective
1: so there's three tests that i offer in my practice one is called an htma test that is a hair tissue mineral analysis test that measures three months worth of your minerals and your stress response in your cells and your tissues that's like a mouthful and very scientific (laughs) but for people who don't know what that means 99 of your mineral status is in your cells and your tissues. And when you get a blood test, it's really based off of like, if something's like really clinically wrong, like if someone has like a heart issue and like their potassium is off, like that is a really, really clinical problem. We're talking about people who like have symptoms that aren't clinically diagnosable, but like still feel like crap or still feel like they have hormonal issues or metabolism issues or thyroid issues that aren't clinically diagnosable. Would
0: this mean, you know, a doctor looked at my blood work and says everything looks good, but you kind of looked a little bit further. Okay.
1: Perfect example is like someone comes to me and says, my doctor did all my labs and said that I passed with flying colors. Everything's perfect, but I still feel like crap, right? Like what, why do I feel this way? And then I'll look at their labs and then we'll do all this functional testing. So it gets to like a deep rooted why things are happening in the first place. Mm-hmm. So back to the hair test, your minerals, so we're talking like calcium, magnesium, sodium, potassium, iron, those are all involved in every single body reaction, like every single one. So if you, if they're off or some levels are off, if you're low some, high in others, if you're really, really stressed, If your thyroid isn't functioning optimally, if your cells aren't uptaking, the nutrients that it be for your body to Mm -hmm. function optimally, that's where the HTMA test comes in. And it can tell us a lot about like your thyroid health. So someone like, for example, is having difficulty losing weight or feels really fatigued all the time. Mm It can tell us about your adrenal health. It can give me a good sense of your digestion, like what's going on with your digestion, Mm -hmm. your hormone health, your metabolism in general. So it tells us so much. By the way, the hair test is done in the comfort of your own home.
0: And you really don't take that much hair for those who are listening and are scared. I know you really didn't cut that much hair it was no big deal
1: and the other two tests that I do are the GI map which is a stool Mm -hmm. test and the death test which is a hormone test both of them are really really important the GI map tells us your good bacteria bad bacteria parasites worms candida your intestinal health whether you have issues with gluten there's so much that it tells us Mm -hmm. um so much more than what like a test that a gastroenterologist will tell you h pylori etc and the dutch test is a hormone test and it tests the metabolism of all your sex hormones and your cortisol mm-hmm. so that's your stress hormone and when you go to the doctor like let's say you go to the ob and they test your hormone levels that just tells us like a moment in time that's not really telling us that much or if it like confirms if someone ovulated if, if they're testing for progesterone for example but it doesn't tell us how your body is breaking hormones down one of the most important things when it comes to hormone health the death test is really really helpful for people who are like struggling with fertility people who are having like crazy pms symptoms mm-hmm. people who have irregular cycles, things like that on that note A lot of
0: moms and just young women in our community are constantly asking questions and writing in about fertility, getting pregnant, staying pregnant, post hardom So I'm going to throw a bunch of questions at you. So first question that I got, how can someone improve their egg quality with
1: diet? Just a little bit of background on egg quality in general. If someone is, it takes around three months for an egg to mature. So if somebody ha- And if somebody has deficiencies, like vitamin or mineral deficiencies, mm-hmm. that also takes usually around three months to correct. If somebody has deficiencies, that takes three months. Wow. And then that's when you can start – you should start – or your eggs start to mature, right? So that's another three months. So in general, I say to take six months to, like, really, really improve your egg quality before you even try to conceive. Wow. So that's okay. Yeah, so that's that. The Mediterranean diet mm-hmm. is – what I call the holy grail for fertility. So if you ever been to Greece, or like somewhere around the Mediterranean, yeah. it's that type of lifestyle. So healthy fats, lots of fruits and vegetables, whole grains, limited alcohol, social connection, specific supplements that are based off of your blood labs. That's not the Mediterranean diet, but That's really, really important. Also limiting drugs. That's a really important one. Like a lot of people are smoking weed a lot or taking edibles, et cetera, like Mm -hmm. limiting caffeine. And then the most important thing or one of the most important things, or I like to say is like, what can you add instead of what can you take out? Mm -hmm. So like, yes, it's really important to limit processed foods. So like limiting really refined carbohydrates, baked goods, Uh, All the yummy stuff. All the yummy stuff. But, you know, I'm not a very strict dietitian. Mm -hmm. Like, I really believe in the 80 20 approach. If a dietitian told me to, like, take out pizza, I'd be like, what are you talking about? Like, that's not sustainable. So I'm, like, really, really into a sustainable approach to nutrition. Mm
0: -hmm. And you brought up a very interesting point. So you had said egg quality and then um, something about sperm, Uh, Mm -hmm. which brings me to my next question How would you suggest someone, let's say, change or add to their diet? to boost fertility, and should someone's husband do it as well?
1: Yes, 100%. It takes two to tango. It's actually really surprising how male-related infertility is, accounts for almost half of couples-related infertility. Women, in general, as a society, we have been told like that it's always our fault, and that's actually really not the case right so you know it can be for a variety variety of reasons sperm count motility their testosterone levels but actionable things people do one companies are starting to make men's prenatals full well makes one which is the prenatal that i personally take but they also make a men's one that i would suggest to You know, it's a men's multivitamin. I understand the like stigma around it, but men have to understand that like they play 50% of the role here and they have to get over that in my opinion. (laughs) yeah, It's actually interesting because there's a study on male related infertility and a lot of the men were low in zinc. Magnesium, calcium, copper, and selenium. So, those are five different things that are extremely nutrition related that, like working with a dietitian, would be really helpful. Just say, like, okay, eat these for calcium, make sure you eat this for magnesium. Here's a really good supplement or really good foods to incorporate for zinc, incorporate oysters, things like that that are really helpful. Antioxidants are really important. So, like, you know, fruits, vegetables, mm-hmm. and then alcohol and smoking. Alcohol is a huge one for men too. It actually can decrease sperm count by. 60%, which is wow. crazy. That is
0: good to know. And then you had mentioned the brand of a prenatal vitamin.
1: Yes. So it's called Fullwell, full well, mm-hmm. Um, There's a few prenatals I like. All prenatals are not created equal. Do not just go to CVS or Dwayne Read-In by prenatal. If your OB says that, reach out to me and I'll tell you <laughs> what, what I like. But Needed is another great one. The problem with Fullwell is that it's a lot of pills. So some people need like a powder or something. So Needed makes a great powder. Seeking Health is also one that all good powder. And it's important to speak a fish oil as well. So what I like about full oil is they have like a bundle, like a prenatal fish oil bundle. And then if you need a powder, like if someone likes to make smoothies and stuff, I suggest, okay, just get a prenatal powder and put it into your smoothie so it doesn't become a burden or annoying to swallow these pills. And then whatever is missing from that, like let's say fish oil, then like they'll take a separate fish oil. Supplement.
0: This is actually a question that I wrote in about. Um, how do you suggest that women... Listen to their body and their cravings, I guess, while they're pregnant or even not being pregnant, but also being healthy.
1: In the first trimester, it's really hard to eat a lot of things, Mm -hmm. right? That's why your nutrition prior to conception is even that much more important because you build up nutrient stores and your body uses these nutrient stores. The nutrient stores that are being used while, like, you know, you are understandably having a bowl of cereal instead of having like a salad, which is totally understandable is what's going to really help you get through the first trimester and make sure that you're getting all the right nutrients and your baby is getting the right nutrients for growth and development. I always say to women, like before you feel nauseous, like that's when people should really focus on making sure that they're eating well prior to conception and giving yourself grace. Like, if you have to eat the saltines, eat the saltines. You don't need to eat like the Mary's crackers instead.
0: It seems like you make or you help people feel less guilty cuz I know a lot of first-time mm-hmm. moms who basically, you know, don't know what to do or they want to eat properly so that the baby's getting the appropriate nutrition and you know, they feel like shit and they want to be able to eat something that helps their body out, but also helps the baby out. So it seems like working with you kind of would give them, I guess, many different options and feeling just less guilty in general.
1: Also giving them the tools to like understand like, why they're eating certain things Mm -hmm. are like actually beneficial for growth and development of the baby like for example I'll give you if you are really craving like a yummy slice of pizza like okay let's walk through the ingredients of the pizza there's bread there's cheese and there's tomato sauce if you're going to a nice pizza place that like makes their fresh dough and like they're using great cheese and sauce and that's totally fine. Like the carbs are actually good for the baby. The cheese has a lot of calcium and fats in it that are great. The tomatoes have a lot of antioxidants in them and vitamins and minerals. And then what else can you add? So like, let's say like, okay, can you add a side salad? Can you eat some grilled chicken? Like what can you add to it? It's honoring your cravings with a side of like, okay, how can we make this a little more nutritious?
0: You heard it here. Pizza is good for you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Another big question is, so actually this is something that I had as well. My OBGYN about probably seven, eight years ago put me on folic acid and it seemed like they just handed out to everybody. So what is folate or folic acid and why is it so important to nutrition for fertility and just women in yeah, general?
1: Folate is really important. Folate is actually the the natural occurring form of in food. So mm-hmm. folate is actually better than folic acid. Folic acid is synthetic. So it's like oh, latin. Okay. Folate, there's a bunch of different ways that it would look on a label. But folate is re- is what's really important to have not folic acid. Mm-hmm. But anyway, folate has really gotten this. I mean, it is really important 100%. But the reason why it is so important, is because it helps form the neural tube, it helps your baby's neural tube develop into their what then ends up being their brain and their spinal cord. If somebody doesn't have enough or uh, sufficient levels of folate, it can increase your risk of spina bifida and other brain spine malfunctions that can happen. It also actually increases your risk of like cleft lip and cleft palate, which is interesting and that a lot of doctors don't talk about, but spina bifida is a larger issue. The reason why, again, preconception nutrition is so important, taking a prenatal is so important is because your neural tube, the closure of the neural tube, so what ends up forming to your brain spinal cord occurs around day 21. Day 21 is literally like on average around a week after your missed period. That's why making sure that you have sufficient intake of folate is so important because it actually closes before a lot of people even find out they're pregnant.
0: Another big question, is it safe to drink coffee and how about eating sushi? And keep in mind... These are my two favorite things in the world. I'm slowly getting off of three coffee and getting to one cup a day with your health.
1: The research on coffee is very mixed. I'm going to talk about in pregnancy. I like to personally err on the side of caution myself. I read studies that say that, you know, one or more is okay. And then I read studies that say that even a little caffeine can have an effect, right? So Mm -hmm. it's really about what people's comfort levels are. And you know, a lot of these studies, the issue with studying pregnant women in general is it just like can't really be done because you can't put pregnant people at harm. What I do personally for myself, and everybody has to make decisions that they're most comfortable with for themselves, I give them the information, then they decide what they're comfortable with. Personally, I either have like iced tea that has a little caffeine in it, or like decaf coffee. Mm -hmm. Um, I personally have not been having caffeine. I have clients who, which by the way, that was so freaking hard for me. Like, you know me, I, there's nothing I love more than cappuccinos. Did you get headaches
0: (laughs) and like the withdrawal symptoms?
1: You know, I didn't because in my first trimester, I was so nauseous from the smell of coffee that I just like didn't even want it. So then by the time I wanted it, I didn't even like really care. It wasn't like in my routine anymore. So I was like, oh, whatever.
0: Right. And coffee was part of your proposal. So uh, your marriage proposal. So you really do like coffee basically as much as I do. So I know how hard that is. Okay. And then what about sushi? Yeah.
1: Sushi is very similar. You know, there's a lot of research out there that shows that getting raw fish from reputable high-end restaurants is likely not going to make you sick. The thing about foodborne illness in general is that there's no food that's safe. Like literally there's no one food that's safe and your OBs are just telling you about the foods that are more likely to have something that contains like a foodborne illness which is funny because like something like romaine is on the foodborne illness outbreak list a good amount and they don't tell you to avoid romaine they don't really talk to you about like washing your fruits and vegetables Mm -hmm. properly or making sure your meat is cooked to a certain temperature they don't even tell you about those things and that's the stuff that's actually more important right or like smoothies
0: right you had mentioned something to me one time about like blenders and yeah like juices
1: yeah yeah so like fresh juices like cold pressed juices you actually aren't supposed to have like things like that but they don't really tell you I mean I'm sure Someone called. There will be an they Would be like, oh yeah, like maybe avoid that. But the thing about sushi is that it again. You shouldn't be having tuna. You shouldn't be having high mercury fish. Like that's definitely a no. But when it comes to other raw fish, again, it's a really personal decision. And I don't tell people to go one way or the other. I have clients who would never go near it. I have clients who, you know, they're like, okay, once I reach my third trimester, I'll probably feel more comfortable because I really crave it. There's a book called Expecting Better that a lot of people read. And that's really how people have gotten to understand that like sushi is actually not a big deal. Pregnancies are really anxiety provoking times. So if somebody doesn't want to even have that extra, you know, what if, Right. then I say no. I say like no point. It mm-hmm. will always be there. You'll mm-hmm. have it in the delivery room. Right. That's
0: that. <laughs> just to somewhat conclude here just postpartum nutrition. A lot of moms, yeah. friends, everybody is asking me to ask you about tips and I guess, suggestions that you have in regard to breastfeeding. And then the really big one, which we can finish off with is just weight loss after having a baby. You know, It seems somewhat superficial, but at the same time, I think a lot of moms are anxious about that, Mm -hmm. um, especially with the first child and kind of bouncing back into their body.
1: So yeah, let's start with breastfeeding. First off, I just want to say that post-birth has you at an all-time low for your nutrient levels and your nutrient stores. You just went through an extremely like stressful experience for your body that used a lot of nutrients. So we need to replace this regardless if someone's breastfeeding or not. So it's really important to nourish your nourish your body properly. Interestingly enough, nutrition needs for breastfeeding women are actually higher than they are while pregnant. So your calorie needs are actually higher, you burn around 500 additional calories a day trying to incorporate again, like it's a very similar like type of food that foods that I'll say to emphasize like the Mediterranean style, like protein, healthy fats, complex carbs, nuts and seeds, fruits and vegetables, things like that. But snacks are also really important and really easy things to have on hand that I usually go through with a lot of my clients. And then I also say, and I say this for everyone, but try not to go four hours without eating because that affects your blood sugar levels, etc. Okay, really important is listening to your body. If you're hungry, eat something, you just grew a human inside of you. And now this this human is still dependent on you for nutrition for growth and development. If you're hungry, you should eat your body's burning through a lot. Keep healthy snacks on hand, keep healthy meals on hand, make things that you can freeze soups, turkey burgers, bone broth, for example, has like a lot of nutrition in it. That's something that someone can like simply just sip on. It's really easy.
0: I love Um, bone broth. Yeah. And then what about drinking? Is there a certain amount of water that someone should
1: have? You really, really need to be drinking a ton of water. This is what I always say. If you're thirsty, you're already dehydrated. (laughs) So- (laughs) (laughs) Drinking, always thirsty. <laughs> listening to your body, drinking a ton of water, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of women who it can affect your milk supply. So like, a lot of women during pregnancy already know they should be drinking a lot of water, your baby's brain is actually only 25% developed at birth. Yep. And then it actually doubles in size during the first year. Mm -hmm. When people say like, Oh, maternal diet doesn't matter for breastfeeding. Like if someone is breastfeeding, then like, that's just a hundred percent not true because your child brain development is like fully dependent on your breast milk and the nutrition inside of your breast milk.
0: Our final question again, was just going back to weight loss. You know, all the pregnant people that I know and people who have given birth, everyone's tired. They can't work out the first, you know, six weeks, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, how do you suggest women go about you know trying to lose weight if that's something they want to do they might not want to
1: start slow is the number one thing that i always say Mm -hmm. someone might need pelvic floor therapy that can also be helpful but nutrition wise after birth in general most women actually lose around 10 pounds like just from the baby's weight amniotic fluid like your uterus shrinking and then the rest is really making sure that you're taking care of yourself and your body you just grew and gave birth to a human so like again really being kind to yourself Mm -hmm. A lot of people are like, okay, I've given birth, like because you don't have a lot of time anymore. Like a lot of people really go from like eating more of a whole foods type of diet. What I mean by whole foods is like naming the, ing- being able to name the ingredients on your plate to more processed foods, more fast casual type foods because you just simply don't have that that much time, well, right? You're tired. What I say first is like look at the quality of your food. What are different things that we can focus on that will ultimately help you with weight loss, right? Mm-hmm. But what can we switch losing weight too quickly can compromise your milk supply. So what I like to do is really reframe someone's thoughts of eating from this is about weight loss to like this is about self care, Mm -hmm. right? So this is about nourishing your body properly, Mm -hmm. and then nourishing your body properly, and like giving your body the types of foods and nutrients and nourishment that gives you the strength Will then ultimately build back your nutrient stores and ultimately allow you to really focus on weight loss in a safe way. So, mm-hmm. for example, so there's this rule like nine months in, nine months out. You can't really expect to lose that much weight, especially if you're breastfeeding, because it will compromise your milk supply, as I said, but you can lose some slowly. But it's going to be slow. And like, that's what I always tell people because a lot of people want like quick and fast results. No matter what, I always say that's not a good idea, but especially postpartum, it has to be slow and steady. People can 100% get there and I do get there with all my clients, but it's really just about being slow and steady.
0: Okay, well, this was amazing. I feel as though I learned a lot. My listeners learned a lot. Thank
1: you for having me.
0: Where can we find you?
1: Yeah, so my Instagram is W-E-L-L by Allie, A-L-L-I um you can also find me on willbyally.com you can contact me through my website or you can dm me on instagram and yeah i'm taking new clients i'm actually only taking a handful until june so i only have certain spots left so if somebody's interested after listening to this definitely reach out to me asap everyone
0: email her dm her now because um she's filling up tune in and subscribe to the talking with tata podcast wherever you listen to your podcast Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and don't forget to check out our website, TalkingWithTata.com. You can also follow along on our Instagram at TalkingWithTata.